Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Join the SRF resistance today. Russo'sBrand.com. Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. Lethal Vendetta. Hailing from Sydney, Australia, this band comes armed with the ultimate artillery, a precise and highly effective blend of thrash, groove, and traditional metal which pays homage to the great metal titans that have come before them. Check out lethalvendetta.bigcartel.com and download their music on all digital media outlets. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. It is Monday, October 28th, 2019, and you are tuned into the simulcast of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented and simulcast as your Monday locker room at hackerhameen.podbean.com. And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking Evolution 2, MLW Superfight, Impact being Impact, and of course, setting the table for the week inside of the Pro Wrestling Wars. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the voice, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's an order of the beat of the bee. And just like the World Series, this thing is just getting exciting. We are ready to kick off the week right here in the locker room. Hell, we, we've got a whole week ahead of us here. We've got everything we're doing right here. Like we just said, the Monday locker room, the locker room. We've got hey, hashtag HCM Sports. We've got Hitting Networks Pro Wrestling Podcast. We're just getting it going, Jargo. What do you want to talk about today? You know, it is going to be a crazy week inside of the world of professional wrestling, obviously, with uh, Blood Money 4 going down this Thursday, all Hallow's Eve. Yeah, you could have had Halloween Havoc, but no, instead, you get Blood Money 4. Well, you know, let's talk a little Halloween here, because, you know, know, Halloween is uh, what what brings out the best in our little ones. Uh, I know I got my boys, I got my knuckleheads, my nephews. I know you got yours. What's Quinn? Is what's her costume? Um, Quinn will be some kind of a Disney princess um, because she has Snow White costumes and she has Mulan costumes and she has Belle costumes. It, she's she's all covered when it comes to the Disney princesses. Uh, but Huckleberry, we don't do Halloween. Um, myself, I've been a practicing Wiccan now for about fifteen years. And uh, Halloween is actually New Year's Eve on the Pagan calendar. So uh, what we do is instead we get a pinata and everybody just, you know, dresses up in their Halloween costumes. And uh, we get all the kids favorite Halloween candy. 
and we use one of my old guitars, which is a Mexican Stratocaster by the name of Jorge. Yes, I name all of my guitars. And we proceed to use Jorge to bust open whatever pinata we may have. The kids invite their friends over, so we don't really do the trick-or-treat thing. We, we, we kind of do our own thing. We've got our own little family traditions. What, what, what's going on there in Ohio for Halloween? Well, I was going to say, you know, I forgot you guys celebrate the Wiccan thing and all that. And uh, I just know Gwen probably with all of her good friends here at school, she's looking ready. You know, she's getting ready to celebrate. Wait, my knuckleheads. And I know uh, you, you've you text me regularly when I ask you, how you, what are you watching? What's going on today? You say you're in this hell. They are going par, Paul Patrol. Oh, yes. <laughs> Paul oh, yes. Patrol all day with my little knuckleheads. Yep. Paul uh, Patrol drunk- over strong. They're out of Chunk and Treat a couple times this week. What are they doing? Marshall and Chase? I, I don't even know what they do with it. They, they switch so many times over and over. It's like one likes one, and then they get into a fist fight over it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know who likes who, uh, but but they love it. They're That's what they're doing there. They're at Chunk and Treat a couple times this week. They're going to have fun. I don't think they understand what's really going on as long as they get candy. So I'm going to throw this out there, too, you know, before we jump into all this pro wrestling talk. Uh, I, I know you guys you, you guys still somewhat celebrate this thing. What are some of your favorite candies and the worst candies? Um, I, I'm surprising. You know, I, I fall on the, the side of candy corn. I'm a big supporter of candy corn. There's a lot of people hate the stuff. I absolutely love it. I can't get enough of it. I Maybe it's a Midwest thing. Well, right here again, this is why we're brothers. This is why we are attacking. This is what we do. I lo- absolutely love candy corn. Yes. I don't I don't get the hate. You know, even outside of the flavors, the deliciousness, it's so fun to eat. I mean, every little bite is like a different treat. Yeah. Yeah. D- do you eat them in like three di- individual bites so you just get the individual colors? Absolutely. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. Candy corn over strong. That's what we're going with for a working title this week. Uh, Huckleberry, let's go ahead. We'll jump into the pro wrestling world because there is an awful lot to talk about this week. And I want to start it off with the individuals that are going to be left out of most of the rest of the talk this week. And of course, I'm talking about the WWE women. Of course, they won't be making the trip to Saudi Arabia for Blood Money 4. Instead, we're going to see a big uh, six woman tag team main event on SmackDown this week, which we'll talk about when we get into the previews. But Huckleberry, it also seems that there may be a evolution too on the horizon, but this time it would be presented underneath of the NXT banner. We're going to get an all women show. It's going down on December 5th in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, And there is some speculation. This thing obviously will be filmed. And they very well could air it the same weekend as TLC, which I want to say is December 15th off the top of my head. Huckleberry, what do you think? Uh, I know we're, we're jumping in the uh, one year ago kind of time, time machine. Um, evolution. Do you see a need for a second one? Well, I, th- I, you know, I, I actually love where they're going with this one. And I love the idea of last year. But it seemed like they were trying to do so much, you know, where they, they were trying to do the red carpet, trying to get everyone involved here. I love this under the NXT banner because let's face it, what is the greatest women's division in professional wrestling? NXT, without any question. And you're going to give them a platform to shine. You're going to give everyone top to bottom. 
I don't care how they line this card up. And I, I really hope they present it more like a, a takeover where you get five really great matches that are like top of the next top, you know, top of it caliber. And they've got the talent to do this thing. This is absolutely near where they need to be. Names already announced for this thing. And this is basically the NXT women's division. And I think this is also the deepest division. Uh, Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Candice LeRae, Bianca Belair, former NXT UK women's champion, Rhea Ripley, Mia Yim, Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, Jessamyn Duke, Marina Shafir, Tanera Conti, Aaliyah, Vanessa Bourne, like, hell, you could put together a show just off of that, let alone the NXT UK women's talent, the uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Championships you could easily throw onto this show, and then any other of the main roster women's talent that you want to bring down. Hell, it's just a one-off house show. Absolutely, and then if you can showcase that. Sorry, I was uh, you know looking over at the phone. You heard the chimes there. Uh, Chris Ledbetter, the uh, the owner-operator of Legend of Squared Circle, he just messaged me. He said he needs me for a very important play-by-play gig coming up in December. So I just want to put myself over on that. But, <laughs> but this is what we're looking for here. This is what you want to make shine in women's wrestling, right? This is everywhere. And if especially if you're looking at NXT, and when you look at where they're at here, who are they battling? You know, they're going head-to-head with AEW. And the main knock there is what they're doing for women's division. And now if NXT could set themselves up, put the ladies on a platform, get ready to go make them shine, that's going to be a major swing for the fence. Obviously, no women going to be on Blood Money 4. Um, There is some talk of at least having one women's match on Blood Money 5, although I think we started hearing that all the way back at about Blood Money 2. Um Rick, this kind of seems like it's getting swept under the rug at this point. Like, is this just one of those things where those of us that have been complaining about the the decline of the women's evolution that like we just feel so defeated by this Saudi Arabia thing and we know the Saudi Arabia thing is going to happen and we're just tired of complaining about it twice a year? Well, I've never been one of those complainers. I, I've never seen it that way. I. No, I, I realize you're not, but the, there's been social media outrage every time we do one of these shows, and I'm just not hearing it this time around. Like, people are just defeated. Like, yeah, we we know, yeah, there ain't going to be any women, blah, blah, blah. No, you, know, you understand this, and, and you know this as well. In marketing and events, you're going to have your naysayers right out the gate. They're going to beat you down. But if you keep, if you can, st- if you can stay the path, you keep on it, they'll wear out. They'll lose their steam. They'll get in line, if you will. And that's the case here. They know what they're doing. That's why they kept pushing forward. Even when you had all, you know, out even outside of the women, when you had the uh, the public backlash over the, the journalists. Jamal Khashoggi. You know, right. Uh, they kind of just kept their head down. That's when they stopped talking about we're going to Saudi. They just, you know, it was the, the city. We're going to the Middle East. They keep pushing forward here. Their marketing machine knows what they're doing. They're very good at what they do. And and they push this, they pursue this, and they let you just kind of evolve into it. Yep. That's that's pretty much where it stands. So basically, those of us that are against these Saudi shows, we, we just have to keep bringing this thing up until finally something sticks, you know? Well, it, it, no, it's it's not going to stick there because you, your voices in 
there's never been a solid really reason against it over what it means financially for this company. You know, this is almost comparable to what we talked to on hashtag HTM sports. It's the same deal with the NBA in China. You know, so many people right out of the gate. How could you let this other country? How can you let them dictate what you're doing? How are you going to let uh, what this communist country tell the us proud Americans? Well, money speaks. Yeah. But, you know, if the NBA was pulling a WWE, they would have fired him. No, the NBA actually stood up for him. The NBA is like, fine, go ahead and cancel our games. We'll leave $1.8 billion on the table. Well, no, 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 they haven't said that. And they didn't want to lay anyone out. They're just waiting to smooth over. You know what's going on behind the scenes. Adam Silver's over there stroking so much. Yep, stroking Yao Ming's cock. You betcha. Uh, let's talk about another group of suppressed people inside of the world of professional wrestling. And this time we're going to switch it and talk about African-Americans. Uh, Jordan Miles, of course, formerly ACH on the independent scene. Rick, he has caused quite a stir as of Sunday with this entire T-shirt situation. You've been following this story? Uh, actually, uh, our good friend William Alicia turned me on to this. And you, you know me, uh, like if I go over um, to the uh, on Facebook to the PW Hustle discussion group. I like to have a little fun with those guys. This is absolutely this is absolutely ridiculous how this how this t-shirt, this logo even got out there. Yeah. So here's the tweet from Jordan Miles, formerly ACH. I will keep posting this until my voice is heard. I'm not sorry for anything I say or do. Representation is important. If this is Vince McMahon and Triple H's vision of me, then this is a slap in the face to every African-American performer, fan, and supporter. And then it shows this awful t-shirt that they have released which if you Ben Hameen actually posted it inside of the Hameen media discussion group um, if you go back there is some old propaganda materials that boy this sure looks like blackface with those white teeth smiling well absolutely I mean that's absolutely what this presents here you know represents and then did you ever see the Confederate States of America it was it was a uh, one of those fake documentaries or if the South won. No, I don't think and I ever saw that. I'll have to look it, that up. It's actually, it's, it's a, it's a tremendous uh, little bit of film there, but they even show some of the real, some of the real advertising things that were going on through the sixties and the seventies that depicted, you know, what, what we thought of African-Americans here. And it's right there. It's in this film. How the hell did this slide through? Who approved this thing? I, I don't think this went through Vince McMahon. I don't think this went through Triple H. You know, this is absolutely through your marketing. This is through your advertising department. But someone somewhere has to realize what happened here. Yeah. And um, if you know anything about ACH and his platform that he uses it, um, you just fucked with the wrong bull is basically what it comes down to. Um ACH is not going to take this shit. My personal favorite wrestling t-shirt of all time is an ACH t-shirt that simply says, fuck racism, watch wrestling. It doesn't say ACH anywhere on the shirt. Um, he's not going to stand for this. He tags Vince McMahon on Twitter. He tags Triple H on Twitter. And now they're saying, oh, well, ACH's WWE opportunity may have just went out the window. You think he gives a shit? 
He would rather not be employed than work for a bunch of racists. That's just the way ACH is. And plus, with all this press, you can bet your ass there's at least a half a dozen pro wrestling companies that would love to bring ACH in right now on a national platform and give him a live open microphone. Well, I would say here then, because like, you know, like I just said, I, there's no way this went through Triple H. There's no way this went through Vince McMahon. No, but who has the final clearance, dude? Like at well, a certain point, we, we have heard for years, the buck stops with Vince. I, I understand this, but who was the smart ass? Who was the smart that thought it was funny to put this thing out here that understood what he stood for and, and you know, knew that and just try to throw that back in his face? Who did who had the. Uh, the out for him who who wanted to get at him well and all these new t-shirts that they're putting out for all the talent down there just look freaking absurd and awful and now they've redesigned this shirt have you seen this that they released a new shirt today that looks like the fucking looney tunes logo so i haven't seen that side yet i just i've just been following the front side of this Oh my gosh. Like I, I just, I cannot imagine ACH is going to be okay with this. And you know, the thing that is so irritating about this is you see inside of ring of honor who can't seem to get out of their own damn way right now. They have this story going on with Shane Taylor, which is the exact opposite of all of this. This is exactly what the Shane Taylor character at this point is based upon is stupid ass bullshit like this that has been happening inside of the world of professional wrestling. Basically, since its inception, you would like to think that the world would move on in 2019, but oh no, not the world of professional wrestling. We still think this is okay. We th also think it's okay to have Kofi coming out and tossing pancakes, who Bruce Mitchell will tell you is actually a racial connotation that goes all the way back to like the 30s and 40s. Not that, you know, Vince McMahon has an infatuation with that time period. It's not like, you know, the Street Profits coming out there and dancing around like they're a bunch of fucking clowns. I mean, this is something that has consistently went on, especially inside of the WWE, the WWF, the WWWF, like the McMahon ran promotions for decades. And they just fucked with the wrong guy because Jordan Miles, ACH, he might be the littlest guy inside of the company, but he's got an awful big voice when it comes to this kind of shit. When I, I wonder if it goes deeper than just not dense. If people are just stroking his ignorance, that he doesn't understand what's going on there. They're playing him if they will. And he just thinks it's, oh, that looks good, pal. That looks great. Oh, it's he doesn't shit. fully understand. He doesn't fully understand the whole scope of what's happening around him. Yeah, it's just insane. I don't know how that gets through. I've seen a lot of shit inside that company that, you know, you can sit and wonder, you know, and, and you can say, oh, well, yeah, but plausible deniability, you know, even like Kofi with the pancakes. Oh, it's plausible deniability. Yeah, not anymore. Like, this is pretty damn clear. Have to absolutely agree, but you know, we were talking about Coke and him. I mean, hey, that gimmick sold a lot of merchandise. That sold a lot of tickets. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a reason that the guys over at the PW Hustle, not big fans of it, you know? Let's talk about MLW. 
MLW Super Fight going down this Saturday, Huckleberry. I'm looking forward to this card. MSG will have the full Fusion Fallout for the Go Home Show going down tonight on YouTube. It aired Saturday night on BN Sports. And then I assume that he'll have full coverage of... Uh, Super fight. Uh, this card looks awesome, man. Jacob Fatu defends the World Heavyweight Championship against L.A. Park. Teddy Hart versus Austin Aries for the World Middleweight Championship. The Dynasty take on the Von Erics in a Texas Tornado Tag Team Championship match. You think the Von Erics are going to lose a match that's called a Texas Tornado match? I mean, get the fuck out of here. Filthy Tom Lawler is going to take on Timothy Thasher, which very well might steal this entire card. Alex Hammerstone takes on Davy Boy Smith Jr. for the Open Weight Championship. That's going to be a hell of a fight. That's that's what I'm looking forward to. You talk about a throwdown, just absolute fight. Uh, that's almost blood sport worthy right there. Uh, speaking of blood, Jimmy Havoc is going to take on Mance Warner in what is being labeled a stairway to hell match. That sounds uh, fascinating. And the thing is going to kick off with a trios tag, which will be absolutely insane Lucia. You can bet on it. Septimo Dragon, Gringo Loco, and Puma King, who is one of my favorite talents from south of the border, taking on Injustice. Rick, this looks like a really good card. I want to say it's only 20 bucks on Fight TV. I mean, I've paid 50 bucks for AEW shows. I've paid 40 bucks for Impact shows. I think I might have to drop 20 bucks on some MLW this weekend. This is absolutely, no, we, we keep talking about where are you going to stand? Where are you going to stand? Where are you going to step up? Where are you going to shine in this dance card, this crowded dance card here on this mid-level here? MLW needs this show right here, and they have actually stacked this card. They're ready to go. And I got to say, you know what? I'm looking at his thing. Like I just said, man, I, I'm the Texas Tornado, you know, the the open weight championship. But I got to say, I love me some Mance. If you're not in a Mance, like he is the modern day Stone Cold. This is going to be a stack show. If and you hey, want to see Jimmy Havoc be Jimmy Havoc, put him in a stairway to hell match with Mance Warner. Dear see, God. If you want to see, if you want to see Jimmy Havoc get his ass whooped. Because that's what I'm hoping for right here. Mance is one of those guys I just root for. He's one of those people that's like a throwback where you just buy into. He's You don't give a shit what's going on. You'll want to root for him. That's what he is. You've seen House of a Thousand Corpses, right? That open, I have. The, the opening with Captain Spaulding. Is, you like blood, guts, and violence? <laughs> you betcha. That's going to be Jimmy Havoc versus Mance Warner. Looking forward to that. That entire show looks really, really good. Uh, let's jump over to impact wrestling because Rick, we got to talk. Um, impact is going to impact. And sometimes it's like these guys can't even get out of their own way. This afternoon, I was watching a, a promo that, uh, uh, Joey Ryan cut, right. And he's trying to sell tickets to this event and he's wearing a Candice LeRae NXT t-shirt. Like, it's just stupid little shit like that that this company has done for 17 goddamn years. They just can't seem to get out of their own way. It's never the talent. It's never what's going on on TV. It's just the company and the way they do business. And yet they a perfect example. Rick, last week we were on this show. We talked about that $40 show that they tried to sell us. It was called Bound for Glory. And we should have had Tessa Blanchard go over and win that X Division title, cash in option C, challenge brand new champion Sammy Callahan after he beat Brian Cage for the Impact World title. And that was what everybody wanted out of Bound for Glory. 
And instead, they gave us Ace Austin as the X Division champion and Brian Cage retains. Well, now they just had their TV tapings and lo and behold, this is not a spoiler, ladies and gentlemen, because this shit is everywhere. Sammy Callahan defeats Brian Cage to become the Impact World Champion. And then Tessa Blanchard comes out and challenges Sammy Callahan for the Impact World title. God damn it. You, you had people pay $40 for fucking Bound for Glory, and here they are trying to pop a rating for this first broadcast on Access TV. That's what this is all about. So they put the word out that Sammy Callahan's going to win the fucking championship. Rick, is this going to pop a rating, or is this going to be a flat rating? Because people are going to be pissed. Well, I absolutely understand where they're coming from. They, they want to transition into the new TV deal they want people to tune into this, but it absolutely, they have missed the mark here, which you should have done. You know, they, they kind of just whitewashed Bound for Glory. It was just, hopefully people buy this thing. We're going to put on a what they were hoping was going to be a tremendous wrestling show, but people were tuning in to see the evolution, to see your next page. How are you going to start writing the, your next great chapter of Impact Wrestling? This is where you should have started. They didn't get that there. You know, to me, Absolutely, you had the you had everything laid out there. You, you should have had Tessa win the the X division match. What was an ultimate X match? You should have had her one win that thing. So that gives you the option for option C. Then you have Sammy go over after a hard fought battle with Brian Cage. You have him there in the ring. You've already got the story in place. You, you have written the paragraphs. You've written the stories. With her and Sammy, you have her come out the end of that show with the X Division title. He's sitting there as your new heavyweight champion, and she just you you don't have to do anything here. You don't have to announce anything. Just hold just up both the, titles. Just the imagery of her going in that ring and sitting there and holding up. Maybe you have Sammy on his knees, the show where he is a little bit inferior to her, where she's a thought man, but he just came out of hell where you're teasing it. And I'm not a fan of option C. I think it's absolutely a piece of shit out because it just downplays what the X division should be about. What I would have done there is you tease that you tease Tessa there against Sammy closing out bound for glory, move into television and then open up that, that pulls people in. What are they going to do? Is she going to use this option? C? you ha- you don't say anything. What's going to happen. Then I'd have her come out and say, you know what? I think option C is bullshit. I'm proud to be this champion, but I want to represent this entire company. I want title for title at our December pay-per-view, which I don't know if it's still final destination or whatever they're calling that now. That's what I would have gone with. They completely missed the boat on this. Now they've just spoiled everything. So what? You just wanted Don Callis to steal New Japan's current storyline for Wrestle Kingdom? How many people even know the hell that's happening? I know, but but basically that's what it is, right? I mean, that's the, in a nutshell, that's pretty much what you're suggesting. Well, it, it's not actually stealing it; it's sampling it and making it better for your Western audience. Oh, but we did it first. You betcha. Hilarious. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Tessa because there was this asinine report that came out the other day that Tessa Blanchard was done with Impact. Nope, not the case. 
whatsoever. Tessa Blanchard at these tapings. Tessa Blanchard looks like she's going to be challenging for the world title. Uh, rather than sharing stories like that, maybe, you know, check out a couple of sites couple of like you know really reputable ones like you know pro wrestling.com last word on pro wrestling.com pw torch the observer you know pro wrestling.net maybe make make it make your rounds see if anybody else is sharing this story tessa blanchard is not done with impact wrestling um i think there is a partial truth inside of that story though while tessa is not done with impact wrestling it would not surprise me if in any way, shape, or form, she was offered a new contract and refused to sign it. Well, I was going to say, you know, when I saw when I saw these stories, I saw these headlines. I didn't really read into them because it was you know you you've laid out some great websites there, some people that really do their homework. Well, how about listening to us? How about listening to the locker room, the Monday locker room, hitting the marks pro wrestling.com, where we have laid it out there. We've had a, a someone that's very close to the situation that used to come on with us. And, and he will be back very shortly, I'm sure, just been so busy with Craven, who is close to the situation, who's let us know how important she is to WOW. No one brings that up. No yeah. one's talking about that. It, oh, she's going to go AEW. She's going to go to WWE. She's got better commitments. She's got great contracts in line. Impact to her is a couple tapings a couple times of the year. That's, that's her side job. Yeah. Yeah, Tessa's a busy girl. You know, and, and that's good because I personally think that she's the best women's talent on the face of the planet. Yes, even better than Rick's precious fucking Shar Shar. Uh, Huckleberry, let's talk about TNA for the first time on this show because we're going to talk about TNA twice on this show, which is, just seems absolutely insane to me. But Impact Wrestling is feeling the need to bring back TNA for one night only WrestleMania weekend. You know, the biggest pro wrestling weekend in history is what they're going to tell us anyway. And they're going to bring back TNA rather than run an impact show. Let's bring back TNA because there's such a fond affection for TNA. It's not like, you know, they've spent the last three, four years trying to tell us it's not TNA anymore. Whenever somebody slips up and accidentally says TNA, you know, there's, there's such this huge affection. It's like ECW. Actually, it's, it, they might as well do an ECW reunion looking at their roster right now. Huckleberry, what do you think about them bringing back TNA wrestling for one night only. Well, now I realize why uh, here on the Hameen Media Group, why we split up Big Ray and Ben Hameen. This was all a big <laughs> ploy just for them to come back and do a reunion for the Impact Attack. Yes, that has to happen. This is what this is what they were all about here. They're going to have to come full circle. But is there really this great need? Are people clamoring like we miss TNA? We no. we need this here. This isn't. Paul Heyman's group. This isn't ECW. You and I were talking about this shit two weeks ago. And we're like, who are they going to get? If we named the top 10 talents that define TNA, even if you want to go under that banner, they're already signed to WWE, Ring of Honor, and All Elite Wrestling. Yeah. It's a saturated market, man. You can't bring back TNA for one night only. And then I saw that they want uh, the Young Bucks versus the Motor City Machine Guns, which is absolutely hilarious to me because if that match was going to happen, you can bet your ass that match would be happening in AEW, not in TNA for one night only. Well, well and even in that, you know, if, if it's total nonstop action, one night only, does that really define that company? Does that really bring back? Any, uh, any Generation Me was a joke. 
come on. The Young Bucks were fucking jobbers in TNA. That almost killed their that almost killed their career. Oh, that was awful. It, when we when we talk about honestly here, let's up the top of your head, name the top five people that define that company. Well, they're all on Monday Night Raw, I think, at this point. I mean, you you've got AJ Styles, you got Samoa Joe, you've got Robert Roode. Those are the first three that come to mind. James Storm, who is signed with the NWA. With NWA, you know, those are good ones there. Kurt Angle. Yeah, who's uh, WWE contract. Sting, Sting. WWE contract. Uh, Kaz and Christopher Daniels. AEW contracts. Yeah, so those individuals aren't even, they're not even allowed to work for you here. Who's who's the biggest name that was in TNA that would be available? Is it Scott Steiner? Most likely, I mean, because even if we look at, you know, like Jeff Jarrett's. The, He's those under WWE contract right? for creative. Yeah, he still signed there. Abyss. WWE contract. Uh, right. I mean, who is there? It's Scott Steiner. Like, that's that's pretty much it, right? Does anybody look back as the, the big bad voodoo daddy as, as you know, their, their fond memories of TNA? Yeah. That, that, that's that's my biggest concern there. Like, why why would you go back to to go under that banner, the TNA banner, when you spent so long trying to get rid of that? Because all you heard was TNA. They're still around. They're still in existence. You tried to erase that for so long. What is the reason to embrace that? Yeah, it, it, Bully Ray is under you know ROH contract. He would be another one that would come to mind. Well, and he was still even in the Impact transition. Yeah. Well, but I do you look back fondly on aces and eights? I mean, I, I feel like that was like a whole period inside of Impact Wrestling. I, I think you know, as you know, that was I was following it more closely then as a fan of it. I had a greater appreciation for that faction than most people did because they just considered like really it was uh, it was like the most underplayed NWO Bullet Club thing. But I think they did some good work. You know, I, I really liked what they were doing with that program. It just didn't have the appreciation, and it's never going to have the acceptance that the others do. Main event mafia? Were you a fan of the main event mafia? Well, you got to be a fan of those individuals, but they can't even get those guys back because they're all under WWE. They're either legends, you know, legends contracts. Uh, you know, like even Booker T, he's working the backstage show. I mean, Jay Lethal, deal. you know, again, ROH contract. You know, because the, the whole black machismo thing, I mean, that's really where, I mean, I, I feel like the two biggest names that you could possibly get, one of them's already under contract, and that's P.D. Williams, and uh, the other one is Scott Steiner. So that's your main event for TNA one night only, P.D. Williams versus Scott Steiner. I just don't get where they're going to go with this thing, and and what what defining moments did they really have as a company that sets you aside, you know, because with, with ECW, with their one night stands, their one night owners, whatever they were, it, it was a vibe. It was a feeling. They, they changed the industry. You know, it, it wasn't about talents. It, it was about being there in that moment. Did TNA ever create that? No, not really. No. Hold on, hold on. We know we might be selling them short. We might get, we might get Mr. Russo and Dr. Stevie. Well, maybe we could get you know Vince Russo. Versus- I, don't, I don't mean uh, I don't mean as knocking inside great friends, you know, because those guys could get a, a shining moment there. Because I love I love Doctor Stevie there. I love what he did with the best. How about Vince Russo versus Eric Bischoff? I, they both got TNA connections. We could make that happen. My money's on Russo. 
Ooh, cornet. You could throw a cornet in there. Oh, triple threat. Let's do it up. Let's talk about New Japan. Uh, New Japan is on the road to power struggle. Uh, Rick, here are your current uh, standings, although there's a couple of these teams are only three matches in thanks to one of the shows being canceled because of that typhoon and the damage to the building. Um, so as things stand right now, Taisha Ishimori and El Fantasmo, your current IWGP junior heavyweight tag team champions, they are on top with eight points. Taguchi and Rocky Romero with eight points. The Birds of Prey, Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles with six points. Volador Jr. and Titan representing CMLL, six points. Show and Yo, one of the teams that are only three matches in at this point. They have four points. Tiger Mask and Ueyumura at zero points. They're also only three matches in. And TJP and Clark Connors representing the LA Dojo. Yeah, Young Lions, if you're tagging with them, you can bet that you have zero points. Uh, Huckleberry, you had a chance to watch any of these matches? Are you watching any of the Road to Power struggle? I'm actually, I have been. Uh, I have I've been I've been doing the highlights on this thing. I've been watching it a little fast forward, but again, yeah, these these are some highlight matches. You're seeing, as you know, this isn't really my style, but I put that aside and I try I try to invest myself in the moment into the, you know into this tournament. What it means, the athleticism actually is is so incredible. I forgot a team. Uh, because Kanemaru and uh, El Desperado, I believe, have six points. I, I somehow totally left them out of the standings. They are my pick to win this whole thing. Uh, it really seems like they're pushing El Desperado since he's returned from that broken jaw. So, which kind of makes sense. I could see uh, Suzuki Goon versus Bullet Club for the IWGP Junior Tag Team Championships. I could see that match happening at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Makes a lot of sense. Um, other than that, man, all is quiet kind of on the New Japan front. Although I did see a report come out today. Rick, you're never going to believe this. The WWE is interested in buying Dragon Gate. Breaking news just came out today. Well, again, you know, where did anyone ever hear that conversation? Yeah, I, I don't uh, know. I, th- I thought I that was hilarious I as I was going through the dirt sheets today. And I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Breaking news. WWE wants to buy Dragon Gate. No fucking shit, Sherlock. Why do you think Pac's uh, gone? Well, they, they just want, they just want to get, they just want, they just want a nice piece of property on the gate, on the, the block. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, let's talk about AEW and I guess in correlation, let's talk about TNA. Huckleberry, Wednesday Night Dynamite is what TNA always wanted to be. It is total nonstop action. Dear freaking God. They had like six matches that a comp that was like 85% of the show this week was just absolute insanity. Um, and I saw there was a lot of people that didn't like it. Uh, there's a lot of people that want more talking segments. Uh, there's a lot of people that want more vignette packages and I, I understand, but you know, on the other hand, as I stop and think about it, you wanted a more sports-like presentation. You know what they don't do in the middle of a football game? 
stop so everybody can talk for 20 fucking minutes. I, I feel like this is what they said they were going to be. This is a pro wrestling show. And if you want to get all of the talking packages, you have to go on YouTube. You got to find the media scrums. You got to listen to shows like these where we sit and we talk about all these, what what's being said inside of the media. They're just not really making time for it on the show unless it's so Cody can go beat up Jericho. I think they have to find a middle ground here because the, the problem with with AEW is that the audience wants it. The audience is clamoring for it. They, they want to get to know the character. And when you talk about a more sports-like presentation or something that's comparable to the NBA, to the NFL, to Major League Baseball, yeah, you want action, action, action. And that's what we, that's what we complain about there. It's the games are too slow. Give us more, give us more. But this is professional wrestling. We need to know the characters. We need a backstory. They – what we're hearing the main complaints is give us what we're seeing on social media on television a little more. They have to find a medium ground here, you know, going over the top, trying to really mimic what you're seeing from like a UFC on, on Fox sports or ESPN. That's a little too much. But on the flip side of that, you know, as I told you Friday was it Friday night, Saturday morning, you know, SmackDown was the worst I've ever seen it. It might have arguably was the worst episode I've ever seen because it was legitimate. It was talking, 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 and they weren't doing anything. So you got to find a ground there where even if you are talking and you're doing vignettes, you have to accomplish something. And sometimes when you're putting so much action out there, which AEW is doing, you're, you're being very repetitive. People are getting lost in the rules. It's becoming too choreographed. You're exposing too much. Well, and that was the other complaint that I heard about this week's show. And especially when it came to who was it? The Lucha bros and who the fuck were they? Oh, private party, private party. And there was a lot of people that were commenting about how it was basically a spot fest and there's way too many dives. Rick, if you watched that match, okay. And we just took that match and we took it out of an AEW arena. Okay. And we put that same match on in Arena Mexico. That match would fit in perfectly. That was a lucha match. That's why there was no psychology. That's why there were dives just going on left and right. That's why we were taking four guys to set up spots. It was That was a traditional lucha tag match. And that was very much how I felt about it. I was surprised to see so much rejection of the match online because it was just, it was too much. Well, no, that that's Lucha. Well, here's what really surprised me about that match is who's getting the heat and it's private party yeah. where that actually, that it should be more placed on. And, and I love how you laid it out there. It was a Lucha style match. It should be on a Lucha bros. That was their style match. And you're asking private party to, to work that thing. And so they are going to miss some cues. They don't, you know, where to line up all that. Basically in the States. Yes, they are a little over the top. They're independent wrestling. They are those high flyers and all that, but they're in the Lucha bros position. I was surprised to see who's getting the heat off this match. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was kind of odd, but as I was watching that match, that was just my thought. You know, if, if you would put that in arena, Mexico, you would put that on any AAA show. You could put that in the main event of any CMLL show and people would have lost their minds for it. Well, I guess that then it comes down to, or I mean, you know, are they selling more internationally? You know, how do the UK fans 
respond to that? You know, how are they in their different TV markets responding to that? What was the real target there? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think what we need to do, um, because there was like six matches on this week's show, I think we just need to cut one of the matches and give me real quick 90 seconds with Private Party. Give me 90 seconds about the Lucha Bros, you know, to kind of develop some of these characters, because like we've seen Private Party a couple of times on TV, don't know anything about them. Uh, We've seen the Lucha Bros a couple of times on TV coming out and like beating up SCU. So I guess they're supposed to be heels, but I don't really know. Like the characters are not developed in any way, shape. Just give me 90 seconds. That's all I need. 90 seconds. Absolutely. And And that's where you have to start defining your individuals. And I know the AEW, you know, their mindset is we're going to run people out there and let people decide how they want to feel about them. Well, give us something to feel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, The other thing that you could do is you can do it kind of like Bellator does, kind of like UFC does, and have those pre-tape packages for at least, you know, the top three, four matches on the show. Uh, Of course, this weekend we saw Jake Hagar versus Anthony Garrett which ended in a no contest, knee the people. Uh, this latest statement coming out from Jake Hager. Uh, I didn't think that I hit him at all. Is it something that I'd be interested in running back? I don't know. It didn't seem like he wanted to fight. So what's going to change next time? Is he going to want to fight me next time? I'm a competitor. I'm a fighter. I'm doing so much right now trying to get myself better for him to do something like that. Whatever. Like Jake Hager's just totally like, yeah, fuck him. Whatever. I need him in the dick. Big fucking deal. Well, he's just totally no selling it, dude. You, Completely. You just took his land. You just took his manhood. He's he's you a heel. Land, you you landed it straight up in there, though. But everybody knows that Jake Hager is a heel. He's been a heel inside of Bellator ever since there was that one fight where he didn't release that chokehold fast enough for the UFC fans to you know suck on their fucking nuts or knee them in the nuts, as the case may be. Uh, Jake Hager doesn't give a fuck. He just wants to get paid, and you know what gets him paid? Being a character and talking mad shit and completely no selling that he need the guy in the cock. Well, and here's what you know. When we get into Bellator, they they blur those lines. That they want characters, they want personalities, they know what sells. Because you could be done in a moment. You could have your head knocked off, and you're not worth anything. Hell, look at Ronda Rousey inside of UFC. Yep. You know when, when she got beat, everything was gone. Everything they built around her, and a lot of their own little empire was lost at that moment. And they could never rebuild that. No matter how much you try to bring her back here, that was her luster. It was gone. So they try to build a little bit of personality. I remember Brock Lesnar, you know, when he was at his highest was when he stood over, uh, what was it, the Bud Light logo. And he said, they don't pay me. I'm going home and drinking Coors Light. Yep. And in the UFC, the MMA traditionalists lost their minds that he was going to disgrace and bad mouth sponsors, and he went into business for himself. He went into professional wrestling, but ultimately it sold. It worked. Well, and this is one of those things, man. Like we saw it on SmackDown with Lacey Evans. I, I saw people inside of the hustle group were completely losing their freaking minds because Lacey Evans called a black woman nasty. You can't do that. You can't do that. No, no, like, no, no. I, I believe it, it was a, a Civil War debutante. 
Yes. Who, who, the, who, who the hell said she was Civil War era? Where the hell did that come from? Is she wearing big old, big old hoop skirts and all? No, she is a she is positioned as a pinup model. Well, and then we saw it again with people losing their minds about Ric Flair Monday night on Raw. And they're, ooh, it's dangerous giving Ric Flair a live microphone on Monday Night Raw. What in the hell is dangerous about it? You mean somebody might get offended and somebody might pay money to see Ric Flair and his friends get their asses kicked? Heaven freaking forbid. It's pro fucking wrestling. Jesus Christ, you can't get offended by pro wrestling and heels talking mad shit. If I tune in to a weekly show on NBC, there is going to be an antagonist and there is going to be a protagonist. You know what we don't do? Get offended when the bad guy says bad things. Jesus fucking Christ, it's a television show. Calm the fuck down. Well, and then when they start making just ridiculous links, the things that aren't even there, they're not even realistic. Yeah, I just, good God, if the bad guy says something bad, that makes you want to see the bad guy get beat up. Well, let's, you know, we're even talking right here. You know, what's the hottest movie going here? It's a Joker movie, right? Right. Where, where, where the antagonist is basically the central character inside of the whole freaking movie. Do, do, do you know how many innocent people that in any in any in any movie, any story, any genre that you're going with the with the Joker? You know how many innocent people and kids he's killed? Dude, to go back, all right. <laughs> let's let's think about one of the greatest TV dramas in history, Dallas. Who shot Jr.? They milked that fucking shit for almost a year. Before they told you who shot Jr. And you just had to know because the motherfucker had it coming. You know that whoever shot Jr. had a damn good fucking reason for shooting that motherfucker because he'd fucked over everybody in Dallas. And in the end, it was Maggie Simpson. It was Maggie Simpson. You damn right. Uh, let's talk about Luchasaurus. Uh, we have good news coming out of the Luchasaurus camp. The hamstring is not torn. The hamstring is only severely strained, which is a difference of about five months worth of recovery. Luchasaurus could be back in as early as four weeks. So, Rick, now we're learning more about this Luchasaurus thing. And basically what happened going into that match that everybody lost their mind about because Marco Stunt was a part of it. Uh, Luchasaurus was warming up backstage and that hamstring went. So they ended up throwing Marco stunt into this match. They had time to fill and they go out there and they fill the time. I am going to give them a complete pass on Pentagon jr. Selling Marco stunt offense, knowing what I know now about the way that freaking match came together, because that was not the match that it was supposed to be. You know, what we talked about, we, we talked about this last week. Everyone was like, why are they overselling here? What are they doing? We, we said, hey, this came on short notice. We didn't know how much short notice. We didn't know it was right there, right then. But they had time to fill. It was positioned into the car. They're timing out the show. And that match would have looked so, so much different. You know, had Luchasaurus been in there and been doing some of those spots and taking some of those chops from the Lucha Bros instead of Marco Stein. 
So they just went out there and they performed the match that they had laid out in front of them. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense why Marco Stunt got the hot tag now. Because <laughs> that would have been a whole lot different if it was Luchasaurus. You give it a pass. You you let that go on right now. And it let it and you know what? And we're talking about stars being born, you know, stars shining. And you got that from Scorpio Sky on that episode. And that was the main story point there. I think in a lot of ways, the, the individual that really stole that show that is going to shine, like it or not, he's in a conversation. It's Marco Stunt. Yeah, absolutely. Without any question. Now, while we're going to give them a pass on the Marco Stunt thing, there's one thing that they did that they can't do. Uh, they, they pulled a cardinal sin kind of thing last weekend on dynamite and people didn't necessarily notice. And I'm very, very interested to see how this is going to be handled. Uh, time ran out on them last week, Rick. They had the timing of that show completely screwed up because there was a major angle that went down afterwards after Dynamite went off the air, um, all the way down, there was a lot more build between the Kenny Omega and John Moxley situation. And we have another match announced now for full gear as Hangman Page has to come out and make the save. Hangman Page challenges Pac to a matchup at full gear. That match is going to happen. None of it made the TNT broadcast. The only reason I saw it was because the feed that I watched comes from the TNT app, which doesn't seem to have that same hard out time. So I see stuff during commercial breaks that gets cut from the show. Um, there was a lot on this show that was very, very strange because did you notice that they ran split screen on most of the breaks on this show? Hell, it was about 45 minutes into the show before you actually had a break. And you know why that is? I'm wondering if they're selling those as premium ads because those shows aren't cut out from streams. Those show or those ads, people are still going to watch them because they want to stay with the action on a DVR. Like this is done for that plus five DVR and streaming audience. And I think it's freaking genius. Well, absolutely. You know, they're, they're juggling two or three different avenues there, how they're making their revenue off of their advertising uh, but I also, you know, at the at the end of the show, you're talking about setting up this big angle. I think maybe that was purposely there because they are really trying to push this AEW dark. And they're showing some premium ads on, on those platforms. Yeah, but we don't know where to watch AEW dark. We don't know about AEW dark. We don't know that this angle happened after Dynamite to direct us to AEW dark. Well, this this goes back again. You know what we talked about last week? Are they relying too heavily on social media and just trying to trust in that people are following those platforms? Are they heading in those directions without actually letting people know that they're there and they're available? They have to open with this Wednesday night. They have to open. They have to come out to Jim Ross, Excalibur and Tony Schiavone and open with Jr. saying fans. We have to show you this footage before we get underway tonight on AEW Dynamite. Our cameras kept rolling after the final bell last week, and you have to see this. Well, footage. again, you know, then is that an old school WCW tactic? They used to use that all the time. Fans, we lost you. You'd hear Tony Schiavone saying, "Fans, we lost you last week. We had to get off the air. We were on our heart out. This is what unfolded here. You know, you had Piper show up. You had Warrior show. Up. We're going to take you back and let you watch it live right now before we roll into this week's app." You know, this week's action. Uh, you, but you better hope they come back. 
Because there was a lot of people very unhappy with that draw to end Dynamite last week. It felt like everybody just kind of popped the balloon and then it goes off the air. It makes a hell of a lot more sense if you know what it's happened me. after the show. Yeah, maybe, it's the, it, maybe to me it's the old school in me. I thought it was brilliant the way that ended. I love the, t- the TV timeout. We don't see that ever again. But now if we lost, are we so many generations away that they don't accept that? You have to have a conclusion. You have to have that finish before the next one. I think so at this point, either that or, or you have to cliffhang it. Like you have to do it intentionally. You can't just have time run out on the show and you, you leave the show and then run a big angle. You know, you have to have Jim Ross say fans, make sure that you tune in next Wednesday. We're going to keep the cameras rolling and we'll update you on this situation as we go off the and cut it. You know, just cut him off in mid-freaking-stream. Well, and as we talk about it, and usually this is how, you know, when we had the conversation, we talk about it loud, I, I think maybe we've just lost generations that don't appreciate that that traditional cliffhanger with, with a time expired. In an on-demand world, there, there are no such things as a week-to-week cliffhanger at this point. Think of how much pro wrestling somebody could ingest between one week to the next. Like, they don't even remember what in the hell ended Dynamite. They don't even remember the cliffhanger if there was one, which there wasn't. Well, actually, to be honest with you, I had to rewatch AEW after football today. I sat and watched it, but whatever, I didn't retain a lot of that show because a lot of it didn't pop out to me. Yep. Yeah, unfortunately. So this week... We have, what, two weeks now until full gear, November 9th. So this week is going to be a big week. We have four matches announced at this point, and they're four good matches, but they got a hell of a lot of work to do before they can sell this pay-per-view. Jericho is going to take on Cody. We're going to see a contract signing this week on AEW Dynamite. Moxley versus Omega, which they ran the big angle last week. Kenny Omega comes out to make the save. For John Moxley, as Pac takes a chair, wraps it around his head, evil style, goes up to the top rope, and he is going to hit the black arrow on top of this chair and snap John Moxley's neck. Kenny Omega comes out and makes the save, takes out Pac. Of course, he's got an issue there. And then he's sitting there looking at Moxley. And he goes over and he grabs a chair. And it looks like he is just going to annihilate John Moxley. But instead, he throws the chair down, takes the chair off of John Moxley's head, uses that chair to beat up on Pac a little bit. And the whole time we get the stare down between Moxley and Omega. Tension is building. It was a great angle. Unfortunately, nobody saw it. We're going to see the Young Bucks take on the Dead Presidents. Yeah, still like that name a whole lot better than Pride and Powerful or whatever the hell it is. And now we're also going to see Hangman Adam Page take on Pac. So, Huckleberry, those four matches, those look great off the top, but we got to fill this whole freaking card, and you have to sell this show because a lot of these matches seem really, really cold right now. Well, you know, it goes back to you know getting people invested in the characters, What's going on around them? And you're talking about this undercard. We're looking at maybe five undercard matches to get you up to nine, right? Yeah. Uh, ideally, somewhere in that area for for what is the norm now for pay-per-views. <sighs> to me, again, you know, one of the sparks, they should, they should really use full gear 
to pun intended to kick the women's division into full gear. Let's do something there. Let's get people invested. I think if you show a real direction, you show initiative that you are concerned about them, that you're going to give them, you know, give them attention. That is going to excite fans. You've got some good, you've got some good matches on the top of this thing. I think this main event sells it, but right now you've got a lot of legwork to do to get people to really buy into this. You know, speaking of that women's division, they did one of the dumbest goddamn things I think I've seen on television thus far. So two weeks ago, they have Britt Baker take on Riho for the AEW Women's Championship cold after they had just been tag partners the week before. Then this week, they run that killer vignette package on Dr. Britt Baker. Britt Baker comes out in Pittsburgh, looks like a freaking star. The place just absolutely erupts for her to the point where people were hoarse after that match, which is why the Moxley and Pac match felt a little cold because they had cheered themselves out on Britt Baker. Why didn't they just flip it? How much bigger would Britt Baker versus Rehel feel going into this week after what they did last week than doing it two fucking weeks ago when nobody fucking cared about Britt Baker? Well, absolutely. I mean, you you ride, you, you put Britt there in Britsburg and, and get her over in any kind of match. They're going to they're gonna take to that thing. So the next city's going to ride that wave. Absolutely did it all backwards it was just so goddamn stupid uh this week we're gonna see seu take on the lucha bros for the aew tag team championships hopefully they're bigger than their jockstrap unlike the aew women's championship rick i like this match i am so looking forward to this match of course, these two teams, they've got some heat. The Lucha Bros took out Christopher Daniels. He's hes going to be out for about six weeks, the way things sound, with a stinger in his neck. They've built this thing fantastically, but this is a tournament. I didn't need a whole lot of storyline going into this thing. In fact, I said at the time when the Lucha Bros came out and were fighting with SCU that first week of this tag team tournament, there's your final they forecasted it. And then when the Lucha Bros come out and they attack Christopher Daniels and we have that killer spot with Scorpio Sky last week. Yeah, it's great. But you forecasted who's going to be in the finals. Like, I, I feel like I should be way more excited about this match than I am because I felt I knew this match was coming three weeks ago. Well, you know, they, they took everyone loves tournaments and, you know, the greatest tournament ever is the NCAA tournament. They took the Cinderella's out of it immediately. You knew you were going to get the two powerhouses, the two legendary teams in those finals here. And yes, it, you know they, it's, there has been injury. They put the stories together here, but along the way, they kind of erased everything else. And now I still have faith. I am still looking forward to this final, thinking that these guys are going to come up with something creative. There's something that's going to happen here that's going to not only a evolve the the tag division not only move that along but i think it's going to help both of these teams as well i'm very excited for this thing one thing i don't want to see in this match is the Cerro Mero thing like you should have a sense of urgency this is a championship match 
You don't go out there and you don't stand in the ring for two and a half minutes and get the pander to the freaking audience with both of you guys just standing there looking at each other all freaking stupid while you go through your little hand motion and get everybody to cheer along with you. Fuck that. This is a championship match. Go out there and fight, especially if the Lucha Bros are going to be heels. Well, the one thing here I am looking forward to is when I go to the Saramero, you go, Sao, SCU, and I want Penta to take his mask off and it'd be Christopher Daniels and just take the pin. Oh, that so, would be <laughs> fantastic. That would be great. Well, it's too close to what Jericho did, though. I, I know. I, it, it, that's where I kind of derived it from, you know, what happened there, but how many people are going to relate that? It, it, I'm, I'm just trying to think in my mind, what kind of creative genius are these guys going to come up with? When you're looking at the, all the, the veterans here and, and the talent, they're going to come up with something spectacular. Let's shift. Let's talk about the other half of the Wednesday night war. Let's talk about NXT. Uh, Rick, of course, the big angle last week on NXT TV, the return of the fallen prince. Ah, yes, we now have a heel Finn Balor after he kicked Johnny Loser in the freaking head. Uh, Let's throw it over to the audio from WWE backstage. Finn Balor talking with Renee Young and Booker T about why Finn, why? Fresh off that transformation, he's the extraordinary man who has dramatically altered the NXT landscape. Ladies and gentlemen... Finn Balor. Yes, indeed. Give it up for him. Give it up for this Give it man. Up for what a week. Kids looking good. In shape. Oh, always and, in shape. Are and, you kidding me? And been training. His abs have abs. Yeah, yeah. It's insane. Yeah, look at this guy. You know the teeth. I must go to uh, one of those those uh, brightening deals. You know, <laughs> He's sitting together. Runs a tight ship. How you doing, man? All right. Hey. Hey. Hello. Thanks for joining How are us. you? Great. How are you? What's it's up? I am top here. of the world. Yeah. Aren't you? Top of the world right now. Uh, what a huge week for you. So thank you for being uh, our first WWE superstar to join us here in the studio. Nice to be here. All right. So first things first, why the return to NXT? Everyone keeps talking about this, like, why the return to NXT? Why you go back to NXT? For me, Raw and SmackDown is like Hollywood. It's like the Avengers movies. It's easy to hide behind all the special effects and the bright lights and the smoke. NXT is like Broadway. There's nowhere to hide in NXT. Mm -hmm. And I need to test myself. I want to go back to being the real me. I look at the eyes, you know, and the eyes, you know, they tell tell a a story, you know, and, um, you know, Finn Balor, the longest reigning NXT champion. Um, How many we, days we, booked? I mean, uh, 292. I mean, 292. I mean, to make that return, I mean, I look back, Roll Warrior Pop, 1985. You know, how did it feel, first of all, you know, making your return? Felt good making a return. Felt good. It felt better kicking Johnny Gargano in the head. Yeah, it yeah. felt good standing back up, seeing him on the ground, seeing the people speechless. I felt good. It was a look at this connection. I mean, you caught everybody off guard with that. I mean, the reaction to people in the arena, to people online. I mean, that must have felt so good for you to step back into that world. You know, stepping back into that world, but it's also stepping back into who I am. I feel like uh, maybe I haven't been true to myself for a long time. A lot of people have been reaching out to you, as I've seen online. Uh, Some people from a a particular club as well. Have you talked to those guys since since Wednesday? I've spoken to a lot of people. It seems like 
I'm a popular guy this week. A lot of people want a piece of Finn this week. Certainly, no Let, doubt. Let's just take a step back um, for a second. You know, that kick to Johnny Gogano's uh, head right there. I mean, I look at you. I, I, I feel a, a different sense in Phil, Finn Balor. I, I see a, a different look in Finn Balor's eyes. Mm -hmm. Do we see a, a different Finn Balor, or is this just the old Finn Balor coming out? I say this is a real Finn Balor. You're a big fan of my work from before WWE, right? Oh, of course, man. I remember telling my students, um, check out this match right here. This guy right here, he's the future of the business. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan. Well, let's just say the prince is back. Wow, all right, Finn. Enough said. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and really looking forward to, to what your next step yeah. is going to be. Ah, uh, yes, much like Booker T, I too was a fan of his work before the WWE. Uh, then we also have TMZ. TMZ caught up with Finn Balor. Everybody wants a piece of Finn Balor this week. After his shocking attack of Johnny Gargano, Finn answered questions as to why he attacked Gargano and said that the main roster is wherever he is. Balor says that this was a long time coming and it was time to shake the trees and see what falls out. He also doesn't like being called a heel. Am I a bad guy? Or do I just do bad things sometimes? Asked Balor. I don't know. You tell me. The lines are blurred in this day and age. We don't know what's going on. This is straight Prince Devitt, and it's freaking great. But the other thing about this, Rick, over the weekend, Jordan Devlin took on David Starr for the OTT Championship. Uh, Jordan Devlin, of course, the understudy of Finn Balor. Finn is absolutely his mentor. For God's sake, they even look like they could basically be the same person. Uh, did you get a chance to see that video package that I sent you for this Devlin versus David Starr match? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And it's like you said, you know, they are mirror inches and images of one another. And, and I even took to, with Finn Balor and his comments, well, you know, if we're talking about if there is a Wednesday night war, he just pretty much said what Cody has been yelling the entire time. I'm me. I am a persona. Take me how you want. And this is what NXT needs. They need the star power of Finn Balor. And hey, I have been someone that's I've had I've had my words against him since we've been on the air. We've been doing this for two years. I've had issues with him here. But I always had my respect. I always said there is money to be made in this individual, and it looks like they're finally recognizing that. If they want to, if they want to compete, if they want to be there on Wednesday nights, it has to be around around Finn Balor. So this Devlin versus Star thing is so strange, and it, it has to be timing because it feels like it's kind of the same thing. Like the way that this thing was built up, Jordan Devlin is absolutely the babyface. But he's also the babyface who basically left the company and took the money to go join NXT UK, right? And then you have David Starr, who is absolutely the heel inside of this situation, but he's also the leader of the independent professional wrestling movement inside of the UK. So, I mean, you want to talk about lines that have been blurred, the promo package for this thing is absolutely incredible. I highly recommend that you go look this up. David Starr versus Jordan Devlin for the OTT Championship. 
absolutely incredible video package. And now I feel like Balor is taking a hint from Jordan Devlin and it's kind of the same kind of character. Like he's not coming straight out and saying, you know, new Japan pro wrestling. If you liked what I did in new Japan, you're going to love what I'm going to do in NXT now. But you know, Let's say that the prince is back. You were a fan of my work before WWE, right? Now, I understand that like Ben Hameen had a lot of issue with this inside of the Hameen Media Discussion Group because he's like, he's not telling us who the prince was. Like, he's not telling us anything. Unless you're a New Japan mark, you have absolutely no idea what he's talking about. But I feel like inside of the full context, that was a 20-second clip. This is the full three-minute audio. I feel like the way that he builds this, you're going to be like, if you don't know what he's talking about, you're going to be like, what the fuck is he talking? Finn Balor, Prince... And event you're gonna get to Prince Devitt. You know what it really reminds me of is the way they're laying this out. It's it's like a weird twist in a modern day version uh, of you know my favorite angle in professional wrestling is when it was Bret Hart in the world versus United States. Like you have to be inside of his dynamic. You have to be in his psyche to be with him and understand what it is. And if you do that, then you're gonna roll together. I'm just hoping he's a heel. And when I say that, I mean, I don't want him to get along with anybody. I want him to kick Johnny Gargano's ass. I want him to kick Tommaso Ciampa's ass. And then when Adam Cole is like, yeah, Finn, you want to join the Undisputed Era? I want him to kick Adam Cole's ass, too. Like, well, I, you know, and I want him to like even call, you know, hit Cole with the, that kick, hit him with the Pele and be like, you're a poser. Kick everybody's ass. Like, just because you're a heel doesn't mean that you have to get along with other heels. Right. Well, you know, because you are your own separate individual. I mean, he could become more of like a modern day stone cold with that Bret Hart dynamic where it's like, if you if you know me, you're with me. We'll roll against everybody. But I am a badass. I was, I, I, that's even bring something to think about this Adam Cole thing. I'd love to see him just hit Cole and be like, you're a poser. I was the one, it'd be even great if he was like, I was the one that put the hit on you. I murdered you. Now, there, there's a couple of things that are also playing into this thing behind the scenes for me. All right. Number one, if you notice at the end of that segment, Undisputed Era is standing in the ring and they're doing their Undisputed Era hand signal, right? And they're looking down at Balor, who's standing over Gargano, and Balor holds out the guns. And he's pointing at Gargano. Obvious reference to Bullet Club. Okay. If you follow Finn Balor on Instagram, Finn Balor has been hanging out with a certain OG an awful lot here lately by the name of Tama Tonga. Um, I've also noticed that he's been hanging out with Haku quite a bit. Uh, Rick, call me crazy. If those contracts are up on the 1st of January, what would bringing G.O.D. into NXT, that would kind of be a coup, wouldn't it? I mean, like, one of the best tag teams in the world, if you could get them underneath of an NXT umbrella, even if it's just to be the goons for Finn Balor, I, like, th- they would never do that, right? Well, you, when you think about the possibilities, and I, I haven't given much thought to this, and we were talking about a game changer, and that is Marty Scroll. You know, the, you thought that would that would shake some numbers you know i think with inside of that dynamic of what wednesday is and everyone wants you know to get so high on the wednesday night wars 
It's more of a, a smart war. You know, it's not the general consensus. And that the GOD would absolutely shake those numbers. But then you even think potentially, would that improve the stock of of the o, of the OC? You know, would they try to pump them up? Maybe that you could eventually within. I mean, that could be a WrestleMania like six man on the undercard. You could do a Bullet Club Civil War without right. the Bullet Club, right? Within the WWE, you know. Now the big question is: Do they understand this? Could they grasp what the importance that they have? Vince doesn't, but I, you can bet your ass that Hunter does. But would it be welcome? I mean, could could they really pull that off? The potential there is absolutely amazing. Well, and the other thing would is, you trust them? the other part of that is we don't know what the relationship was between Camacho and Hunter, you know, because let's remember, Tongaloa has been inside of the NXT system before and left for a reason. I just, can you imagine Tama Tonga standing inside of a WWE ring? I mean, can you imagine them giving Tama Tonga a microphone on USA Network? But I, I, you know, I think you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. Man, that's that's one hell of a shot right there, man. That would be big. I mean, would that be right up there with Colin Nash in, in, in a modern day sense showing up? I think it would be it would be to smart marks. You know, like I think it would be to that NXT audience. It would be to the and new Japan yeah, audience. Wednesdays are, but but I feel like Wednesdays it would be completely lost. It would be completely lost on that mainstream audience. They're not going to get it. WWE is not going to tell that story the right way. I know that. You know that, and you know that. Listening to me in your ear holes right now, as cool as it would fucking be to see God come in as the backup for Finn Balor to take on whether it be undisputed era, whether it be DIY and somebody else like that would be so freaking cool, but you know, it ain't going to be that cool. If they do it, it, it ain't going to be that cool. I understand. I understand. You know, we can say, you know, we can look at, at the viewership and the ratings right now and say, that's not going to, that's not going to spike a number immediately, but what is the trickle down? Because even back then, you know, Scott Hall showing up on WCW wasn't doing anything to an old school wrestling fan. It took people, it took that grassroots people getting excited. Holy shit, you know, like it would have been like me and you showing up to school and me and you talking. And then like two kids hear us and how excited we are. And they're like, whoa, 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 something cool happened in wrestling. And then they right. tell two people, you know, it's a game of telephone. Right. Yeah. Telephone, tell a friend, tell a wrestler. Yeah. Right. You bet. Uh, let's talk about NXT this week. Um, because we don't have a whole lot announced. We only have one match announced for NXT this week. Although I'm sure like they're just counting on this Balor thing to get people are going to tune into it. Um, it would not surprise me to see NXT spike a number out of that thing. Uh, team kick is going to take on the Kabuki warriors for the WWE tag team championships inside a full sale. This will be the grand return of Asuka and Kyrie Sane to full sale. Good luck getting them booed in that building. I don't care how much mist you've got. Well, we've seen this before. You know, this is this is gonna this is gonna be just like when Bailey and Sasha Banks returned. That audience is gonna absolutely love them. But as you're saying, no, for that true audience, for those individuals, just not there, uh, individuals like us, you know, that want to see them under 
that 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 circus tent to see them get that kind of reception that could, that could hit a rating. Well, and this is going to be awesome too. I, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox are absolutely fantastic. I love both of them as talents. I think they're two great stories, both of them coming back from the ACL injuries, but they're not over. Nobody knows who Dakota Kai is. Nobody knows who Tegan Knox is. Hell, I think they've only been back from injury for about three weeks. Asuka and Kyrie Sane going into full sale. There, there's no way. Like Tegan and Dakota don't stand a chance in well, that fucking here. crowd. We, we like to talk about positives. How do you twist this thing? I mean, if they work as the ultimate underdog and try to fight back through this, I mean, is that your logic here in this booking? It's got to be. Because, I mean, with, with the way the Asuka character is right now, you can't even do a sign of respect at the end of this thing. Like, they cannot put over Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai in any way, shape, or well, form. Well, you know, you know what I do with Kai there is, is I play to that injury and have them really work it where it's almost like reset. Both of but them. But can she, can she come back? Yeah, I mean, Asuka Lock is going to be in, in full play. Well, and, and, yeah, I think the and, best and thing have to do... I think the best thing to do is you have the Kabuki warriors just kick the fucking shit out of them. And then you do like you, you have like Shafir and Duke come out or something to, to try to get a little bit of heat. But I mean, dude, the Kabuki warriors as, as awful as they have been treated on the main roster. And they have been with absolutely no question. Full sale is going to lose their goddamn minds. As soon as Oscar's music hits. Absolutely, and you know you're you're painting yourself into a, a bad position here. This is Seth and the Fiend all over again. There, this is a no-win situation for anybody involved. There's no way Dakota and Tegan are going to get over in this match. No way. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Huckleberry, who did Seth Rollins piss off? Like, who has it out for Seth Rollins? I want to know who is making the matches on Monday Night Raw because here we have just a couple days before Seth Rollins gets on an airplane to fly all the way to Saudi fucking Arabia to face off with whatever the hell Bray Wyatt has become at this point in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Monday on Raw, he's going to take on Eric Rowan. Eric Rowan, Falls Count Anywhere. Like, who did Seth Rollins piss off? You gotta believe right now, they know with persona and character wise, Seth Rollins has just missed completely missed the mark. What do you do? And, and what, well, they're, what they're do just you do trying to him? they're trying to run him out there as a, is the work rate, and they're putting him in with stipulation matches. The guy's going out and giving you everything he can, and you got to give him that. Man, the guy does. Man, he goes out there and works twenty plus minutes every week. Even if it's rinse, repeat Rollins, he's going out there doing what he can. And they're hoping that that eventually catches on. But what they ultimately don't understand is they're just overly exposing him. And people are growing tired of that same old act. And there's nothing else there. They haven't given you really anything to care about. We're not attaching ourselves to this individual. And it's doing a, a, a tremendous disservice to a tremendous talent. It, it, it's it's awful. Uh, I, I thought it was hilarious. I saw the crown jewel graphic for Seth Rollins versus The Fiend. Have you seen this graphic? It literally says at the bottom of the graphic, the match cannot be stopped for any reason. 
It literally says that on the graphic. I mean, what are they doing? What are they doing? How How is the Bray Wyatt character going to go over in Saudi Arabia? Just that intrigue alone has me almost tempted to tune into this thing. Just because I want to see what happens when Bray Wyatt comes walking out carrying a lantern of his own head in Saudi fucking Arabia. Well, I think they're going to adjust that. You're, you're going to see a little bit different fiend there. And I think it more speaks to why you're seeing Undertaker being kept off of the show. So it doesn't confuse individuals, you know, so you don't have. What kind I, of I think, fucking witchcraft are they doing over there? You're you're going to see more of a, an Undertaker-esque fiend, I believe. And that's why they kept him off. That's why you don't have Kane. Uh, they're going to they're just going to really play into that. Hell, I wouldn't even surprise they just pull a 180 and just have the actual Bray Wyatt instead of the Fiend. Oh, uh, yes. We'll talk, this about, match. we'll talk about Bray Wyatt when we get to SmackDown. Uh, Becky Lynch versus Kyrie Sane. That match is going to happen on Monday Night Raw. If you want to see a drastic difference, listen to the pop for Kyrie Sane Monday on Raw and then tune into SmackDown and see what happens when she comes out in full sale. I mean, it, it is just going to be night and freaking day. Rick, oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm gonna say. this should be a big match. This is the winner of the May Young Classic taking on the man, the Raw Women's Champion. This is a match that you could be seeing at like WrestleMania. Kyrie Sane is that good. Becky Lynch is that good. Let's just give it away on Monday for no apparent reason. Well, I think, you know, one thing they're just trying to excite the women's division that, you know, they are spread so thin, it has become so stale. They want to get some competitors in there that can actually flow with one another. This is probably going to be one of the matches technical wise that we're going to be talking about. And it's sad that we're not getting any kind of backstory that we're not getting invested in this thing, but athleticism, the, the competitiveness of this thing is we're going to be talking about this. You know, what they're not going to be talking about Monday night on raw. I bet you anything they don't talk about it. The fact that Asuka tapped Becky's ass out. Royal Rumble 2019. Uh, They're also going to have Divorce Court Monday night on Raw. Yeah, it's not going to be the King's Court. It's going to be Divorce Court. It's going to be Rusev and Lana coming face to face in the middle of the ring as hosted by Jerry the King Lawler. Rick, they're still doing this? You know, Ashley, you know what I want to see here? I, I don't care. Uh, do you know where Raw is at this week? I, I'm not sure. I know I know SmackDown Fridays in Buffalo. I'm not we've sure. talked about we've talked about that incredible flight. If I don't know that shows live or what the hell they're doing there, but or the matches that they're advertising are gonna be there. But you know what I like to see here? Have Lana out there with Bobby Lashley, hit the music, bring the godfather out with the whole train, and have him pass that gimmick on to Rusev. Oh my God. Oh, come on, come on. (laughs) That's the new hoe train right there. Poor Rusev. Poor Rusev. The Bulgarian cuck. Let's talk about SmackDown on Fox. Do you you buy into into the story, though, that this is something that they came up to try to punish him and devalue him because he refuses to resign? Absolutely. Absolutely. It ain't going to work. How does, I mean, if anything, that 
it backfires. I think that gives you sympathy. I mean, even the most casual fans realize what's happening here. They, they realize how asinine this thing is. It's going to give him more fuel when he leaves. It's the same thing. It's the same way they kill DC three. Everybody's like, where in the hell is DC three? Oh, you don't remember when he pinned Dean Ambrose? That was like the last time we saw EC3 and everybody was like, oh, I see what the fuck you're doing. Fuck you, EC3. Fuck you. No, we're not going to stand for that bullshit. You just wait until John Moxley gets here. We all know Ambrose is on his way out, so he's going to put over EC3. No, fuck that guy. That's exactly what happened to EC3. Nobody seems to remember that. Let's talk about SmackDown. Uh, the Revival are going to be defending the SmackDown Tag Team Championships against the New Day, Kofi Kingston and Big E Langston. Well, no, just Big E. He's not been Langston for a long time. Uh, because Xavier Woods, this is kind of a big story, came out over the weekend. Torn Achilles. He's going to be out for six to nine months. Rick, this is not good. Because this is just going to damn Kofi and Big E to the tag team division. And they're just going to be another team inside of this round robin SmackDown Live tag team division. Well, that's going to say, you know, they're just going to get in the take a number line. Poor Kofi, man. You went from WWE champion to losing to Brock Lesnar in five seconds. And now you're throwing pancakes while Big E wiggles his hips and chasing the most worthless titles inside of the company. Well, you I want to I want to talk about Xavier. I mean, this is a huge loss, and yeah. he's a tremendous talent. You know, no matter if he's a corner man, if he's just if he's in there in singles, if he's in tag, tremendous individual. I'm hoping they find a spot to put him here. Uh, if 205 still going to exist, I'd love to see him maybe get a knock at like some play by play. You know, you, not, couldn't not you play just by, you know just somewhere on the color commentary or something? Could like you that. bring him out in a boot? I mean, could you just like put him in a boot, give him a microphone and let him talk for Kofi and Big E and just let him play trombone and keep That's him That's what I would absolutely do. I mean, you, you still have to utilize the skills of this individual. He's highly entertaining, uh, very intelligent, articulate. He gets his stuff over here. He's he's a talent you really can't afford to lose. And even in that, that side role, as we're talking about here, on the sidelines, he's going to help elevate these two. Uh, and I would actually... The one thing we've been wanting for is this: we want new new day to evolve. We want all three of them to. I love to see for somewhere he's on the sideline and somehow take Kofi and Big E in different directions as single stars, where we see them get a little bit more serious. I'd love to see it. Uh, let's talk about Miz TV featuring Bray Wyatt. Rick, what in the fuck? Like, are we going to get Mr. Rogers, Bray Wyatt, the day after Crown Jewel on Miz TV? Or, because, like, I can't imagine The Fiend is going to come out on Miz TV. Like, are we just going to get, like, a battered and bruised Bray Wyatt coming out, like, in a full-fledged babyface turn where he comes out and puts all the sympathy on himself? And look at what Seth has done to me, Rick! Well, this is, this is something that really worries me here. And, and this is a two-front. It, no, it's just not about Bray. Uh, where is the Miz going here? I mean, he seems to be floundering himself. He, he's becoming more of like a Maury Povich. You know, I'm surprised he isn't, you know, handling the divorce court or paternity court or something like that. There's no direction with him right now. And he is a tremendous speaking head. He's a great ambassador for any brand. 
this whole segment, it really worries me. And I think it's, this could be a, a tremendous turning point for both of these talents, or it could be a dead in the water segment. Did Miz and Mrs. ruin the Miz? Like now that Miz is actually like talked himself into a shoot. And what I mean in that is Miz has actually become a star. Like Miz came out and told everybody that he was a movie star. He was a TV star for long enough that people finally started to believe him. Kind of like the honky talk man is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. And now the Miz has a TV show that's doing real good numbers on USA network. And we can't turn him heel because he's the Miz on that TV show. Did Miz and Mrs. like completely ruin the Miz? Well, like you said here, like you, you can't hate the guy you see is he's a, He's a good time of guy. He's like that neighbor you want to have. You're going to go play golf with or go to the bar with. And he's a great dad. Yeah, because he, couldn't, he couldn't beat he Dickhead said, Miz on, on Friday night SmackDown on Fox and then turn around and you get, you know, <laughs> happy, happy dad bod Miz on you know, Wednesday you know night. The, you know, the, the perfect, the perfect uh, comparison here is, you know, like how you try to come off on these shows as hard ass Jargo, but I know you. You're the perfect husband. You're the perfect father. <laughs> and then you're, you're spewing all this nonsense, you know, when we're on the air. I'm, I mean, you're kind of like the biz there. Like, he's exposed his business. And now they don't know what the hell to do with you. Or, or is this the Miz trying to, if we're talking about evolving, is this Miz just trying to get the hell, like trying to get on the John Cena schedule, you know, trying to get away from everything else? Yeah, that, that seems like, I mean, because now they're even referring to the Miz as a legend. You know, it, I, it really struck me when Dolph Ziggler is standing in the ring and he calls the Miz a legend. And it's just like, I mean, come on, dude. Like, he's the Miz. If there's all the people that Dolph Ziggler should have been yelling, it, it should have been me. It's probably at the miss because they both had to like scrape and scratch and crawl their way to where they're at. It's ridiculous. The, I'm telling you, like, success out of it. It's like the Miz talked himself into a shoot. It's like he, he came out and told everybody what a big star he was for so long until people just started to believe him. Hey, sometimes us, sometimes us in Ohio, we just have to scream OHIO so long. People believe it. God damn. Next thing you know, he's going to have to be a Bengals fan just to sell some more of those mini fridges. Let's talk about Roman Reigns and King Fuckface. Uh, Huckleberry, I don't know if you got to see any of uh, WWE backstage, but King Fuckface attacked Roman Reigns on WWE backstage. I'm sure nobody saw it, but that is the big hype for this matchup. Actually, I think the match was announced before the beatdown actually happened, you know, it was just like they, they told King Fuckface, hey, you're going to face Roman Reigns next Friday on SmackDown. And he's like, I'm going to go beat the shit out of him right now when he's not expecting it because I'm King Fuckface and that's what I do. Um, Rick, both of these guys are going to be really, really tired because like you said, that's a long flight from Rodia, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and, and I heard some people you know, I had posted in a couple groups like, man, how are they going to pull this off? So they're going to pre-tape these things. I don't know where they're like, are they going to tape them over there? Then air it. Fuck but, no, mean, they're going to fly these motherfuckers all the way back to Buffalo. That's what's going to happen. We're talking about a 17, 18 hour flight. Yeah. But the thing is, it's like that show happens at like what? 11 o'clock in the morning on the East Coast. Shit, they can be out of there by fucking two o'clock in the afternoon. I understand that. But after that and you're, you're getting out of there, I mean, 17 hours on a plane, essentially getting off this thing. We're, 
yeah, you're you're getting some time back going east or going west. But that's a hell of a that's a hell of a travel schedule here. And ultimately, you know, I don't have any interest in this damn match. Nothing there. But I do want to put over. There's a handful of talents that are going to be working both of those shows. Thank you, thank you to them. You know, that's a commitment that that they want to be there to perform. And hopefully, hopefully pick this rating back up. Last week's SmackDown was probably the worst WWE television that I've seen in 10 years. I didn't even turn it on. I I was going to watch it. And then I was like, the World Series is on. And there's like Bellator on. And the Lakers tip off at this time. You know what I was doing? Uh, I went bowling by myself, and I probably rolled about 10 games, and they have it over the lanes. I was the only person there, and they have television screens over there, so I could turn my sound on, and no one else could hear it. So I sat there and bowled through the entire thing. Ouch. Well, and, that's- uh, and I kept thinking to myself, thank God I don't have to explain this to anyone. Let's wrap things up with your huge main event. For Friday Night Smackdown, because all six of these talents, they're going to be fresh because they're not going to be on an airplane. It is going to be Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, and Bailey taking on the team of Carmella, Dana Brooke, and Nikki Cross. It's a huge six-woman main event. Uh, Rick, a couple of things here. Number one, why is Alexa Bliss not in this match if Nikki Cross is in this match? I mean, like, did we have to try that hard to get Carmella and Dana Brooke on the show? And number two, is this Bailey heel turn thing working? Like, because it seems like this is probably the most popular she's been since she's been on the main roster. Well, I think it's a case of it is in a sense, uh, but is it too late? Does anyone care? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it's almost one of those things. Okay, we've been waiting for it. Now you address like you made this. I mean, she actually turned heel a month ago. We, you, you and I have talked about this. We talked about this on air. People are like, oh my god, it finally happened. Like, no, this happened a month ago. You know, just because of this drastic little change she's got in her attitude and all this, you're talking about bliss can't be in this thing. Uh, Sasha's not in this role. She's she's still injured, correct? But but she's still active in storylines she's still putting her mouth out there and i think that's where you're probably going to get bliss and sasha worked into this thing they just don't want to include them into this thing so that no one looks weak it's protection uh but there's nothing in this that screams well again watch friday night they, they outside of week one which was just out of the curiosity they've done nothing that has intrigued me to say this is what i'm doing this friday night Probably the most intriguing thing that happened inside of the WWE this week was Sonya Deville. Sonya Deville cut one hell of a promo talking about how she was going to beat Becky Lynch's ass. And she can't wait to get her hands on Becky Lynch. She's going to take that title away from Becky Lynch and just embarrass her in front of the entire world. And I was like, what in the fuck is she talking about? She's on the other show. She's not going to face Becky Lynch. 
There's no way for Sonya Deville to square up with Becky Lynch. She's got to go after Bailey, who happens to be her fucking tag partner on Friday. Remember that whole thing we were talking about with Finn Balor? How heels don't all have to be friends with each other? I want to see Sonya Deville lay out Bailey and then turn around, knock out fucking Mandy Rose's ass, and then, just for good measure, take out Carmella, Dana Brooke, and fucking Nikki Cross. Hell, if Alexa Bliss is at ringside, take her fucking ass out too. Well, and you've got there, you got this ultimate dynamic. You know, Sonya Deville was the first main, main roster, if you will, MMA fighter. Let her start owning this. So that you can build her up so that when Rousey comes back, when Sheena is going to be available, when the other two horsewomen are going to be there, you've got her ready to go. And she's a likable personality as well. You, you could build people around her. But, nah. Turn her into Conor McGregor. You ever hear Conor McGregor put anybody over? You think Conor McGregor has any friends? Just because there are other douchebags in the world, you assume that Conor McGregor is friends with them? No, he's a douchebag to everybody. Turn her into fucking the female Conor McGregor. Just have her be a dickhead to everybody. You know, which is kind of funny considering she's a lesbian that I'm saying that she should be a dickhead. <laughs> See what I did well, there? I, hold on, hold on. I, I'm sitting here, I'm giving you the fist here. I'm getting you the MMA fired up here. They can see that here, but... You know how many t-shirts you can say? You could sell ass-beaten and pussy-eaten. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the other platform that we're not in your ear holes on, whether it be hittingthemarks.com or hackerhameen.podbean.com. Make sure that you visit our friends over at thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Visit our friends over at lastwordonproresting.com. Get the latest from our good friend, Mr. William Alessia. Shout out to our friends over at the Voices of Misery podcast. Shout out to our friends at Lethal Vendetta. Rick, can you settle this? Does Australia even exist? I don't know. I can't see it over this flat plane. It's like John Cena. You can find me across all social media platforms at Not Jargo. RBV, how do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? God damn it. It's soon enough. Let's just send it out here in honor of Sony Deville. Hit that taco Tuesday. We'll talk to you for HTM Sports. We'll talk to you for the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. For now, we're off like Congress. See ya.
It's Taco Tuesday. We came to eat some fine Mexican food. And if you like to eat like me, you're gonna eat everything. Enchiladas, quesadillas, 